VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. Come on, pick and roll! 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. The Volume. Colin Coward Podcast presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. No better place to bet the action than on FanDuel Sportsbook during the football season. There's a lot of reasons. It's America's number one sportsbook. Incredibly easy to use. Super safe. Totally secure. Super fast payouts in as quick as two hours. You're not going to get that anywhere. Also, same game parlay bets. Live betting. It's the best. Hey, if you're new, just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. I did it in 15 seconds. Get started now. Sign up. Please use the promo code Colin so they know we sent you. Please use the promo code Colin, C-O-L-I-N. FanDuel Sportsbook app. Sign up. Hi, everybody. A lot of NFL stuff coming up with Mike Silver on a Wednesday morning podcast. But first, Joe Judge was fired head coach of the New York Giants. So I got a call a day ago from a defensive coach in the NFL that coached against the Giants. Uh, Here's the first thing he said. He goes, the first thing the Giants have to do is get rid of Joe Judge. It has been chaos, according to his buddies, inside the Giants. The second thing he said was, this is the worst offensive line by far in the NFL. And he said, here's what's interesting. They release Kevin Zeitler like a year ago. He was their second best offensive lineman. At the time, arguably their best. He goes to the Baltimore Ravens and signs a three-year deal worth $22.5 million. So they draft Andrew Thomas. Now, he came in the pandemic year out of Georgia, and he was a little overwhelmed with no preseason for the first year. But this coach said, Thomas is going to be a 10-year starter. Great kid, getting better. After that, He said they have four backups joining him on the offensive line. That he felt it was a roster full of backup offensive linemen and Andrew Thomas. So he said, 
regardless of who they get. Gettleman never replaced Eitler. They had an injury to a center. So now they have a backup to an average offensive lineman. Whoever takes over, they've got to get the O-line fixed. It is the lowest ranked O-line in the league. And, and my coaching contact said in all his years, he'd never seen an offensive line that was less talented. Secondly, on Joe Judge, th- this is what I heard from somebody I trust. So years ago, I worked out east, as you know, in Connecticut. Connecticut is overwhelmingly half the state is Patriot fans, uh, half the state New York Giant fans. So over the course of time, I made friends with a, a former New York Giant employee who was reasonably up the food chain, uh, still has connections to the team. So, you know, once or twice a year, we talk. So I texted him at the end of the year on Joe Judge. And his takeaway was, oh, this job is not secure. He said, just wait for a week. And I said this on the herd FS1. This is in a real murky area. Well, apparently the murky went sideways. But Joe Judge was combative was very much a my way or the highway guy, uh, reportedly got into a fight in the last 24 hours with his offensive line coach. Uh, I can tell you this person said that Jason Garrett was at wit's end dealing with him. So just a lot of chaos with Joe Judge. Uh, And this is another Belichick assistant that, you know, proximity to greatness doesn't equal greatness. Matt Patricia, Joe Judge, that it's another... Belichick assistant that comes into an organization, very strong willed and tries to dictate terms and simply doesn't have the respect or the resume to back it up. That was Matt Patricia. And that's what I'm hearing Joe Judge was. But regardless of who they hire, this is a horrific offensive line. You start looking around the teams in the NFL playoffs. Find me the battle lines in the playoffs. We always pay attention to defenses and quarterbacks and coaches. Find me the awful offensive lines in the playoffs. Cincinnati's is probably the weakest. After that, most are average or above average. You know, I saw a story last week, Boomer Esiason, former NFL quarterback. He does a morning show in New York City on WFAN, which is the most popular station, one of the first sports talk radio stations. So he does a morning show. It's called Boomer and Geo. And about a week ago, he got a text on his phone and he never really asserted this was true. He simply said, there's something sent to me on my phone that says that Aaron Rodgers was planning to sit out the Super Bowl due to the NFL's COVID policies. And I've said this often about my show. My show is not just opinions. Sometimes it's theories, predictions. I'm not looking for 100% accuracy. I'm looking to be interesting. I listened to the entire Boomer Esiason, Geo, 10-minute segment. They never said it was true. They offered up the information, debated it, and discussed it. I'll throw something out here that's interesting. So the number had come from the Virginia area. And that's what really piqued my interest, not the story. Several years ago, when I was ripping Aaron Rodgers, I got a text from a Virginia number. Don't know who it was, anonymous. Giving me 
inside information on the Packers. Some of it was pretty darn detailed, like way more than your typical fan. So I looked up the number. Uh, I looked up the address of the number. And in no way did it appear to be somebody that worked for an NFL team. But there was too much information not to be an insider, things that had not been published yet. And so when I hear the Aaron Rodgers story with Boomer, and I, and I go back to my story, it's the only time in my career that's happened, that I get a random anonymous text with lots of inside information claiming that Aaron Rodgers, the claim was he's leaving Green Bay. It was almost like somebody was trying to set me up to look bad. It was almost like somebody was setting up Boomer to look bad. And Boomer and I both feel like the information is a little too accurate to be, I don't know, a random fan. Is it possible that somebody in Aaron Rodgers' camp is trying to create, when the criticism gets hot, a little misinformation campaign, which he can use to validate the inaccuracy of the media? I mean, did anybody else notice how harsh the criticism of Boomer Esiason was from Aaron Rodgers? Ever since Aaron Rodgers won a Super Bowl, since that time, it's been playoff disappointments. It's the deception about immunization. It's the losing to Brady. And he's taken a very anti-media narrative. Now, remember, Tom Brady would not waste a second of his life worrying about the media. It's family and football. Aaron spends an inordinate amount of time making sure you know the media doesn't know what they're doing. Now he's angry with Boomer for misleading everybody about him. I just think it's really weird. Why is he beating up Boomer Esiason? Why would this silly story bother him? Why did Boomer get that text from Virginia? Why did I get that text from Virginia? It's all very suspicious to me. Aaron likes control. That's why he was so damn pissed when they drafted Jordan Love and a year later leaked stories to the media to bury the Packers on draft day, regardless of what any insider in the NFL tells you. They all came out the same day with the story, draft day. What a zany coincidence. I just thought the criticism of Boomer was over the top. Boomer did not report it like it was factual. I don't know Esiason, but I listened to the story. I listened to the segment. They kind of threw it up there as a thought balloon more than anything. Sometimes the person building the most ridiculous narratives about Aaron, is it possible it's Aaron himself? All right, let me talk Jimmy G. You know, it's interesting, I think, that we make decisions on people and then we look for confirmation bias because we all like to be right. None of you really liked Jimmy Garoppolo. He looks too good. He was backing up Brady. Never forget that Jimmy Garoppolo was who Kyle Shanahan wanted if he couldn't get Brady. Never forget that Belichick loved Jimmy Garoppolo. But I think it's funny. We always bring up Jimmy Garoppolo's Super Bowl performance as a critique. I mean, you're slamming him for one play in the biggest sporting event in the country. It's like critiquing the Apollo 13 astronauts because on their voyage to the moon, you know, things went a little wrong. 
Guess what? Put yourself in big spots. You're going to have some letdowns. It's the nature of competition in sports and technology and sometimes space travel. For the record, did anybody ever look up Jimmy G's Super Bowl numbers? 20 of 31, 65% completion percentage, passer rating of 69. Uh, Big Ben won a Super Bowl with a passer rating of 22. John Elway once had a passer rating of 19 in a Super Bowl. But because Jimmy G, you didn't like him initially, you saw him as a backup. He was a second round guy. He was never a threat to start over Brady. You forget he's only had 47 regular season starts. Why are we so harsh on him? That is a season less than Baker Mayfield. The reality is Jimmy G was an important figure when he was just sitting on the bench in New England behind Brady. But if you're really fair and it's not confirmation bias, never forget this. He's 6-0 against the Rams and Kyle Shanahan has won 25% of his NFL games as a head coach without him. He's Mike Silver, co-author of the book All Things Possible, which became the basis for the movie American Underdog about Kurt Warner. That's fantastic. Wrote the book years ago. And what do you know? Well, it takes Hollywood a long time to do anything. Let's be honest. It does. I mean, every time you hear about a movie, it's like, oh, they pitched that thing 13 times. Everybody said no. People told Silver no for years. And finally, he demanded the movie get made. All right, I want to start with this. You know, the, you know the Niners really well. I know Lynch really well. I don't know Kyle Shanahan. But it's fascinating to me. Jimmy Garoppolo goes to Dallas and wins. Jimmy Garoppolo wins a second round game because they're on fire and healthy. You have Trey Lance capable. I still think he needs to be refined. He has a hitch in his swing a little bit. I, I don't love his windup. So you got to start either. To me, it seems obvious. You move off Jimmy G unless he wins the Super Bowl. Then you got a dilemma. And then you give every bit of your attention to refining Trey Lance. But I want to throw this out there. What if he wins two playoff games? What if he gets to the NFC Championship, Mike? What if? Okay, well, first of all, I just want to enjoy the moment because I don't want to understate what just happened. Um, you know, we saw Jared Goff win a playoff game with a bad thumb and no reps last year. This was season on the line, on the road, albeit with a lot of Niner fans there. 17-0, uh, team that needed to win, rival, uh, brings them back with the bad thumb. Then... Oh, something went wrong, and now they're down, and there's a minute 27 to go at his own, what, 12? Uh, and that's it. If you do not lead the 49ers down the field, your season is over, and your time there is obviously over. Jimmy does that. Gets the ball in overtime, gets them down the field again. They get a field goal. They win that game. So I think he shattered a narrative already. Uh, and remember, this is a guy who came very close – to winning a Super Bowl, but this whole Jimmy can't do it in the big game. He's not clutch. He can't. He can. It doesn't mean he will always, but he did something big for him. And they did something big. And I feel it. I mean, Dallas is so good. And there's a long storied history of Niners Cowboys games that I could recite uh, from childhood and from covering them. But I this feels like a big moment for them. They could win in Dallas. They could keep it going. And then, 
Yeah, that's a great problem to have. I, I believe, Colin, that when they made that trade to get to three, and if we can believe whether, you know, I think he was thinking of Mac Jones. He'll say he didn't know. Others will say it was Trey all along. Whatever. Once you make that move, in my opinion, yeah, Jimmy's time is, uh, you know, the clock is is running. But, yeah, if he goes to Dallas and wins, it just gets a little murkier. And remember, Aaron Rodgers didn't play till year four. Phillip Rivers sat for the first two years. Um, it, it is possible that they could kick the can. I, I think unlikely, but let's enjoy what's going on right now because he did do something really big. Wild card weekend just got wilder. FanDuel Sportsbooks hooking new customers up 30 to 1 enhanced odds. That means you bet five bucks and win 150 bucks on any team to win any wild card game. How about that? I like San Francisco plus three at Dallas. Sign up, FanDuel Sportsbook, make a deposit, claim your 30 to 1 wild card enhanced odds. 30 to 1. FanDuel's America's number one sportsbook. It's now live in New York. How about that? You already have a FanDuel Sportsbook account? How about 50 bucks when you refer a friend? 50 bucks. Just refer a friend. Don't miss your chance to win 150 on a $5 bet. Enhanced odds right now. FanDuel Sportsbook app. Promo codes Colin. 21 plus and present in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia, or West Virginia. Refund issued as non-withdrawable site credit that expires in seven days. Max refund 10 bucks. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbookfanduel.com. Same game parlay available for multiple sports in all states on mobile slash web. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Jersey, and Virginia. Or call 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. Tennessee red line is 1-800-889-9789. Or go to 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia. Or call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona. The quarterbacks who have been the best in crisis have been Derek Carr <laughs> the last two weeks and yep. Garoppolo. And well, here's what's interesting. They're both second round picks. People hmm. aren't as invested in them. Hmm. There's confirmation bias. When Derek Carr is a bad Sunday, which Brady's had three or four this year, we crush him. When Derek makes the throw to Hunter Renfro and Indy, or that throw this weekend against the Chargers up the sideline, those are two of the best throws of the season in crisis. But we've made our decision up. They're second round picks. They're second tier guys. So nobody gets more shit in this league than Carr and Garoppolo. And they have been, they have single, not single-handedly, they have been at their best in the last two to three weeks of the season. And I just think it's interesting we all have quarterbacks. Maybe they're on our fantasy team. Maybe they're first rounders. Maybe your franchise needs them really to, for stability. I've said this with Derek Carr. I don't know what the award is, Mike. He has been so good on the road in the last month. What do you make? Um, I just want to throw this out there with the Raiders. Because I don't think they'll beat the Bengals. I think they're coming off a wildly emotional game. I think it's a big ask. But let's say, first of all, let's start with this. Your insider, your guess on the Raiders head coach next season. That's a great question. So I call it the interim trap. Um, you get a bounce usually when you fire a coach in midseason. Players kind of like the interim and it helped, let's face it, it helps the status quo if the interim gets elevated. He knows me. So 
then you kind of get seduced and it has not gone well most of the time. Mike Singletary was an interim. Hey, you know what? They're playing hard for him. It wasn't the right move. Tom Cable, the Raiders know this well, was an interim. Um, you get seduced by it and you don't think clearly. And, and I usually don't like it. And especially in this case, because it's not like their interim was Gus Bradley. Well, he's been a head coach and this is his second time around or it's, they basically said, we want Gus Bradley and Greg Olson who are good coordinators doing good job to stay where they are. So we're just going to have Rich Passaccia, you know, the special teams guy oversee. And I'm not, I don't want to discount what he's done. He's done something very good and he should get a lot of credit for it. My instincts tell me Mark Davis wants rock star stuff in that stadium. Mark Davis had a Russell Wilson kind of, um, you know, I don't not fixation, but he was kind of into that concept. I think from what I was hearing, uh, Mark Davis, I think has felt we can do better than Derek Carr, uh, and we can get back to him because you're bringing up a great point. His Derek Carr's clutch performances, not just this year. But over time, he's very, very dependable in the clutch. Um, so my instincts tell me that Mark Davis wants Rockstar. And, you know, you, we hear the Harbaugh things and all that. But um, and I usually don't like the interim trap. That said, hey, you know, you keep it rolling in the playoffs. At some point, it's Steve Fisher. At some point, you're like, <laughs> you know what? <laughs> it works. I just don't have a choice, you know. So, and, and that was Pat Riley too, by the way. You know, Jack McKinney had a bike accident. It was horrible. And then, uh, oh, wait, maybe that was Paul Westhead. Excuse me. That was Paul Westhead uh, following Jack McKinney. But, yeah, at some point, uh, you just, you know, you don't have a choice. Right now, they still have a choice. So, I'm going to throw this at you. Um, ideally... GM, coach, players all get along. But when you watch the Michael Jordan documentary, it's not a necessity. Shaq, Kobe, Phil Jackson. It's not a necessity. KD, Draymond, Kerr. It's not a necessity. necessity. Belichick, Brady never had dinner. I don't buy that Chris Greer and Brian Flores didn't get along. My takeaway is it doesn't matter. He won eight of nine with Tua. Oh, by the way, so I'll throw my theory and you can shoot it down or agree. I don't care. So Brian Flores gets the job. He immediately, by the end of year one, the defense and special teams are excellent. All he needs, draft the right quarterback and give me a competent offensive line. Greer fails at both. Stories out that Jason Locke and Fora reported, Flores wanted Herbert. And it wasn't a secret. The GM wanted Tua. I, I disagree with all of it. Okay. So what I'm saying is I'm defending Flores saying he doesn't have to get along with Greer. I don't care. If if I wanted Herbert and the GM wanted Tua and I fixed the defense and special teams immediately, I would be bitter. I, I, would, I would agree if I believed that Flores wanted Herbert. So I'll, I'll tell you what I have okay. come to learn and you know first of all brian flores is his own guy he's not a bill belichick clone but there's a lot of bill belichick in the way that he was trying to do it and that works if you have tom brady it works if you have a track record like bill belichick does 
it has not gone well for the most part um, ever in any building or very rarely um, other than Belichick. Um, if you can't get along with Chris Greer, by the way, I'm saying that's you. He's probably the GM in the league who's the easiest person as a person to get along with. So this is what I believe. Um, and it's a weird organization with different power dynamics and an owner who's strong, but not always there. Um, I think that Brian Flores did a really good coaching job. And in a league where minority hiring is shameful, it's super disheartening to see a guy who did that well be let go abruptly. I believe that Brian Flores had the power in that building and that if he wanted Justin Herbert, there's zero chance Justin Herbert would not be a Miami Dolphin. So I don't, I, I think he wanted to, and got to it, which doesn't make him, I, I wouldn't fire Brian Flores for that. You know, people make mistakes. That's a regrettable one, obviously, if it's Brian Flores, but I think that, Brian Flores wanted Deshaun Watson. And I think Brian Flores wanted Tua, then wanted Deshaun Watson. And Chris Greer, for the most part, was doing for Brian Flores what he thought Brian Flores wanted. Doesn't mean Chris Greer hasn't made evaluation mistakes, but I don't think he was big-timing him. I think Flores had the power. And so, you know, a lot of times when people get let go and we don't understand it, and again... I don't want to I don't want to discount the overtones on the minority hiring thing because it really stings in this case. But let's compare it to say John Dorsey is out abruptly in Kansas City. What? Didn't he help Andy Reid build that thing? How is John Dorsey? Usually when I dig in on those things, the answer comes down to the person who got let go did a very bad job of managing his relationship with the owner. And, and I would say Adam Gase did that too in Miami. Um, at some point, you don't have to be best friends with the owner. You don't have to be aligned on everything with the owner, but you have to understand what the owner expects and needs relationship-wise, even if there are go-betweens. And I think if you come in acting like, hey, I'm Bill Belichick and you know I'm just uh, consumed with power and I'm not gonna get along to get along I'm just gonna do what I do and people can like it or not and the only thing that matters is if I win um you can get alienated from certain owners and I, that's what I believe happened I think Brian Flores is out because he had the power and didn't manage that situation well still regrettable from a minority hiring standpoint because he did a very good job as a coach so um this is an interesting time of the year. Jim Harbaugh called me the other day. I love it. And and his dad had watched the show and told Jimmy should call me and thank him for nice things I said. So we talked for about five minutes. Nice. And he's got he's got a really cool setup at Michigan. His dad lives next door. So the kids leave the house, go right next door to grandpa. It's perfect. It's like Obama he's got, in the it's like Obama in the White House with <laughs> Michelle's mom. It's brilliant. <laughs> so Michigan's rolling. They yep. probably won't beat Ohio State next year, but he's got Cade McNamara. The recruiting's rolling, and he's got a really good young staff. If he left, Michigan's in a tight spot. The hiring cycle is done. He's got some leverage. I look at all these jobs, 
they've all got major red flags. Raiders owner, Raiders GM. Uh, Denver doesn't have a quarterback, although I love their GM and I love their roster. Yeah. Um, I think I think Justin Fields is good. He was bad a lot and hurt a lot. What are you hearing on Harbaugh? This is where I lean into you. You know, Jim, you covered him. Yeah. I When I talked to him for five minutes, I didn't want to ask him straight out. I just tried to listen to his tone. Boy, the Michigan situation, Mike, is good. He's His wife's happy. His kids are happy. I just don't think there's the – remember a few years ago, McCarthy gets Dallas. That's a great job. LaFleur gets Green Bay. That's a great job. Brandon Staley gets Justin Herbert. That's a great job. Yeah. I don't think any of these are A jobs. Okay, so a lot to unpack. Number one, he loves his alma mater, as he should, and there is an emotional pull there, and as you said, some lifestyle things. Number two, yeah, maybe – they leaned on him a little bit a year ago when they thought they had some leverage and Jim's a competitive guy and maybe he's just leaning back and he'll extract his leverage uh, revenge, which is a strong word and they'll give him a little more money or whatever security and it'll, it'll feel different. Um, The reason Jim Harbaugh is different from you and me and we are people who have a strong sense of self collectively right. and individually. Yeah. Jim Harbaugh doesn't believe any job's a bad job because his sense of self is even stronger. He's like, I don't care. I'll win. He, I think he believes he could go to any job anywhere and affect change and win. And that's whether, whether you believe that or not as an outsider, the thing that makes Jim Harbaugh Jim Harbaugh is that thing. So the, I think in his heart, he's played in the NFL for a long time. I think most football people, if they're being honest, college is cool. There's an emotional attachment. It's not the same. It's not the highest level. The right. highest level of football is clearly the NFL, and it's not close. And for people who are that competitive and have that kind of sense of self, deep inside, look, he went to the NFL. He During a lockout year, he took a losing team and got them to the brink of the Super Bowl. Then he got them to the brink of a championship. Then a Richard Sherman tip away from another shot at it. He lost to his brother. He lost the Super Bowl, a close Super Bowl, to his brother. So knowing what I know about Jim Harbaugh, Yes, all of that may be overridden by pragmatics or his love for his alma mater. It's all understandable. I just think deep inside he wants to go back to the biggest stage and finish what he almost did last time. He's such an interesting guy. Such an interesting interesting guy. guy. So I am pro-analytics. But I always call them manalytics, is that you do have to consider not reducing alpha male millionaires to numbers. Um, there are sometimes I'm going to keep my pitcher in. He's been a good starter. He's good in the room. Um, I trust him over a reliever, right? A Max Scherzer situation. I'm going to go with a starter for another batter, even if the analytics tell me it's, it's a, a relief pitcher option. Right. And so I'm for football analytics. But Jimmy Johnson said on my show the other day, When Brandon Staley went for it on fourth and two at the 18, 
He said, what a lot of these analytic people are forgetting is risk and reward. If you got the first down, you're still six first downs from a field goal. Right. right. I thought I thought it was the classic. I'm all in on something and I'm not wavering. People say this all the time, Mike. Well, if you play a thousand cards of poker, you always blankety blank the 16. You always do this. Yes. But you don't get fired for losing a hand of poker. Billionaires fire coaches who have a 5,000-yard quarterback, a good old line, great weapons, and miss the playoffs. The only elite quarterback in the league that didn't miss a start due to injury that failed to make the playoffs was Justin Herbert. Like, I, I thought it was a bad aesthetic moment for Brandon Staley. Um, I'm actually waiting for Brandon Staley to call me, um, hopefully right after we're done. And uh, I'm going to dig in and ask him because I, I respect him a lot and know him. And he'll, you know, I texted him after the first game about all the, four, the fourth down gambles. And what he texted back was, if Justin Herbert was your quarterback, you'd go for it, too. So that wasn't analytics. That was, yeah. uh, man, my guy is so good. I'm just going to do it now. Um, it's interesting you bring up like, first of all, I think coaches, one reason coaches traditionally until recent years have been so averse to taking chances is they know that if they do the safe thing, they're less likely to have the billionaire, um, on them, right? If Brandon Staley punts there and loses, no one's saying Brandon Staley cost them the game, even though in his heart, he might, or his mind, he might think I have a better chance. So that's part of it. And you know, I think Jeffrey Lurie and some other owners have been more, you know, Jeffrey Lurie was telling Doug Peterson, dude, go for it more. And Jerry Jones was kind of trying to tell Jason Garrett that over the years, like, I want you to be more aggressive. But traditionally, coaches are risk averse because they don't want the, you know, that stain. Now, uh, let's go back to 1994 or 1995. I'm a young writer at Sports Illustrated, and they send me out to uh, Dallas because the Cowboys are reeling. Uh, Barry Switzer has just in a game in Philadelphia famously or infamously yes. gone yes. for it on fourth and one from his own, I want to say 25 or 30, which at the time was, you know, like that's like 10 times the Brandon Staley heat and didn't make it. And now he was reeling. Now, I spent about two days with him. It's pretty cool. Love the guy. And didn't know him at the time very well. And when we finally got into that, we're standing in his kitchen, which was being remodeled. And he finally said to me, you know what? That had value to me in a way that went beyond this game. He said, I wanted to show my team I had faith in them. And I'm following Jimmy. It's been weird sometimes. You know, people talk like it's not my team. He said, I wanted Emmett Smith and Michael Irvin and those offensive linemen and those guys to know, I trust you. You'll get this yard. He goes, and then they didn't, and we lost. But he said, I think it fortified my bond with my team. So sometimes we don't even know the bigger picture. One time I was talking to Bill Belichick back when we used to speak a lot, if at all. Uh, we spoke a lot back then. Now we don't speak. But uh, longer story. At the time, 
I was asking Bill about the way he was, uh, he was frustrated with his team. And I was asking him about some of the ways he was conveying that. And an example he gave to me was, you know, we've gone for it on fourth down a few times here in some big situations and we've run the ball and we have not been able to get the yard. And he said, I finally just put him up on the screen. And after the last one, and I said to him, said to my players, I'm fucking done. You guys, you, I trusted you to make a yard. I've given you chances. You can't fucking do it. I'm done doing it. And he's, I think he thought that resonated with them it was very dry. I'm sure his delivery, but they kind of got, man, he trusted us and we let him down. And so the next time, a few weeks later, that he reversed course and went for it on fourth down and called a run, they blew about, you know, five guys off the, you know, off the field and, you know, ran outside and got about 15 yards, if I recall, because they were just so revved up. So that's the thing, uh, you know, I, and I'm not anti-analytics. I just, I get exhausted sometimes by the analytics is life crowd telling you what has to be done. And it's not just that coaches feel sometimes there are things going on that we don't know. And that's why journalism, hopefully as the world opens up again, and we can get access and start having more of these conversations that I'm used to having. Sometimes there's something else going on that, that factors in that makes it pretty cool. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I, there's things I've thought about. I'll throw one at you. If I'm on the East Coast flying back West or on the West Coast flying back East, that's a six hour flight with my players. I would be more willing to go for it because if we lose and I doubt them, that's a brutal bonding moment. If I trust them and we win, it's the best flight ever. If I trust them and we lose. We're together, right. It's a, I'm, I'm dead serious. What's my flight like home? I call it, I have a great story. So Mike Vrabel, who was Bill O'Brien's uh, assistant in Houston and then became the head coach of the Titans, uh, went to London and was down seven, scored at the very end, went for two and missed it, I think, if I'm recalling right. And that's a long flight home. Long flight home, probably bonded with the players, but the whole time you're going, man, should I have kicked it and given us a chance at overtime? And I was talking to Bill O'Brien shortly after that, and I said something about, like, well, that's a pretty ballsy move by Vrabel. And he's like, Vrabel made $40 million in his playing career. What does he have to worry about? So it was a, it was a funny reply. Like, why should Mike Vrabel right. care about? But um you're right. Like that's, I, I just think obviously in the end, you're trying to win, trying to keep your job. You're trying to avoid heat. You're trying to bond with your players. You're trying to vibe it out, but you're trying to win. But, you know, like, let's look at the John Harbaugh um, decisions. Cause there were two games in a short span there where he went for two at the end and both times it didn't work out. And both times, and you have to uh, evaluate the decision before you know the outcome. And both times I understood the decision. But, you know, the counter argument sometimes is you've done something epic to get back into a game. 
and you just did it. And now you're going to tell your team and we have to get this one more thing. And, yeah. and you could make a case to kick extra points in that situation. The Niners did it against the Rams. They were down 17, nothing. They were down 24, 17 at the end. They scored. Kyle could have said, you know what? I'm giving Debo Samuel the ball and he's going to run through your face and we're going to win. He was like, you know what? We've come this far and done something epic. Let's see what happens in overtime. I like my team. Uh, Brandon Staley, who you can definitely second guess the fourth down call from his own 18, but they had about six or seven elimination plays. (laughs) Yes. And one was a replay overturn. One was a late flag. I mean, they survived them all. And then after surviving all of them, you know, and by the way, there were more in overtime, but after surviving all of them in regulation and scoring a touchdown on the last play, now people are like, he should have gone for two. I'm like, you know what, man? I don't think so. I think after you, (laughs) Justin Herbert, who threw a fourth and 21 touchdown and then threw a last play touchdown after a replay reversal, the play before got him down closer and other fourth downs. I think you kick that one and say, we're going to live to fight another day. So uh, yeah, it's, this is part of the fascinating part of it. And I, it's the head coach has to make the decision. I don't know that there's always a right or a wrong. And I, what I really don't like is people after the fact saying, well, that was bad because it didn't work. I mean, you could say going for it on fourth and one from your own 18 is bad, whether it works or not, as you suggested risk reward, but don't tell me, well, he should have gone for two after last touch. I, I, I don't know that. I think if he went for two and made it, it's the greatest call ever. If he went for two and missed it, you're like, why? Why did you do that? And um, I don't know. I, th- I I came away from that game thinking, A, m- mad love to the Raiders because they haven't finished strong the last few years. They went through a lot, and they, they did something big. Congratulations, the Raiders. B, I've rarely seen a team come up with that many elimination plays and survive it. Congrats to the Chargers for being in it. And see, Justin Herbert's going to win championships, dude. I mean, he's, that guy is going to win championships. So don't, don't despair, Charger fans. It sucks, but you've got a guy who is a uh, – he is a champion. All right, Silver, that's enough. I don't want to I extract any more gems from you. <laughs> that was fantastic. By it's great way, talking to you, buddy. I want to I want to mention that this guy who confirmation bias was undrafted. Right. This did get optioned a few times before the movie was made. So Of course it did. I wouldn't mind I wouldn't have minded living in that perpetual state of options being renewed and then the movie being made because of course, every time they option, it is another good thing for the people who own the rights. So uh, go see American Underdog. I really do sincerely love the movie. I would say it's way too corny to enjoy. But it, the fact that it is true, I think, makes that defensible. Thanks, buddy. Thank you. All right. Watch this whole thing on our YouTube channel at the Volume Sports YouTube channel. Little red button on the lower right. Push subscribe. Talk soon.
Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like in the parking lot at your kid's Wee championship game. A trophy bigger than your five-year-old is blocking the rear windshield of the car in front of you. As they reverse into you, you're stuck on defense. And if you don't have the right auto insurance coverage, this crash could drain your athletic fund. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. This is Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a Corolla built just for you. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places.